So, as Jamie was saying, we, we're continuing uh, in our um, uh, in, in the book of Colossians, and we've come today to probably one of the most uh, well-known passages about Jesus that there is in the Bible, and it is an amazing passage. And I must say, I do uh, you know when I come to passages like this, I, I do sort of find it difficult to try and give uh, real um, you know. Do, do it justice. Um, so I'm going to do my best. Um, but the important thing to remember is why Paul put this in. Um, it, later on in, in chapter two, Paul starts addressing some specific issues that were coming against the church, some, some heresies that were coming in. And as, as Rochelle was talking about at the start, there are uh, there were two types of people in the church initially. There were the Greeks uh, with a Greek background and there were the Jews. And they were bringing in, things were creeping in from both of their traditions, which were starting to affect the church. And they were bringing in philosophies and they were bringing in uh, laws and, and so on. And, and, and Paul was concerned about this. But instead of, first of all, going and, and addressing each one individually, Paul wanted to step back and to create a much bigger picture and particularly what he wanted and what he knew the church needed was to understand who Jesus really was he wanted to to tell them actually before I go into the nitty-gritty there's there's a there's a there's an understanding of Jesus that you need to get um because once you grasp who Jesus is once you know who he is and and it's wonderful uh, what Shado was saying about God and, and and that applies to Jesus once we grasp it, then actually these things fall into place. If your picture or your understanding or your knowledge of Jesus is too small, then actually you'll start adding to your salvation because you think Jesus isn't capable of meeting my need, isn't capable of doing it. So Paul was saying, I need to give you a big picture. We have a, a, you know, a similar idea at, at work. We, we, um, uh, we're in a moment uh, an investigation into some problems we've, we've got on the central line you know I, I work for London Underground and um, we've had uh, a number of failures now of some equipment now it's a very simple uh, approach we could say oh that bit of equipment's failed we'll replace it a very simplistic small viewer you know it's failed we'll replace it what's happening is that we've started to do that and it's failed again and then another bit has failed. And, and what's needed, instead of just going into the nitty gritty and saying, oh, I've got to do better here. I've got to try harder. I'm going to replace this. I'm going to replace it again. I'm going to replace it again. That's, that's not working. What I need, what we need to do, and what I'm, I've been involved with is just take a step back and saying, there's something's gone wrong here. There's something that we're missing. There's a bigger picture that we're not seeing. And if we can understand what this bigger picture of, then we can understand why these little things are going wrong and if we address the big picture the little problems are going to go away and I think that's what Paul is trying to do here with this wonderful depiction of Jesus in these verses that we're going to read and so my prayer is that as we go through this and we haven't got long is that each of us and myself included get a bigger picture of who Jesus really is of what he uh, of his majesty and his glory and of what he came to do and what he's achieved on the cross and as we do that so some of these other issues that are in our lives will fall away because we grasp who Jesus really is so I'm going to just break this down into uh, a couple of, of, of sections so we're going to read 
uh, Corinthians 1, uh, Corinthians, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 to 20 to start with. Okay. So it says there, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now this, this passage, uh, well, it's, there's a bit more that we're going to read a tiny bit later, but it breaks down into three. The first one is the role of Jesus in creation. The next bit, uh, and that was, is verses 15 to 17, the next being 18 to 20, is the role of Jesus in the new creation or in salvation. And then the last bit, which we will read a bit later, is the role of Jesus in the, in the church itself, in Colossae, or, or in our, our church. So let's quickly go through what Paul was saying here. So the first, uh, in verse 15, it says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now this, uh, what, what uh, Paul is trying to get to the bottom of here is that Jesus is no ordinary person he's not a super man or he's not a small god um, he is none less than god made visible he is the image of the invisible god he is god in flesh we are made in the image of god so we have something of god in us jesus is the image of god so he is god and he's the firstborn over all creation, which means that, and we get this from other passages, like in the, in the book of John, chapter one, um, we understand that, that Jesus was there at the beginning. See, Jesus wasn't created. He was born um, from God. Now, I've sort of struggled with this, this thought, you know, you know, so if he's born, then, then, you know, how does that happen? Well, what, what, um, what, uh, what Paul is addressing here is trying to help the Jews to understand that uh, that there are distinct uh, distinct um, entities in the Godhead: God the Father, God the Son, uh, God the Holy Spirit. But they're all God, and uh, that uh, um, that when Jesus was born, if you like, and and and, and it's a difficult concept, um, he is still God. You know, if I, you know, I gave birth to my firstborn, or I didn't, my wife did. <laughs> Get that right, yeah. Um, he is, you know, those that know Tom will know that he is properly human. Well, um, hopefully you understand that. I mean, he, he doesn't always act like it, but he, he is a proper human being. He's fully human. He's as human as I am. He's no different to me. He is no lesser than me. It doesn't happen that if I, if we, if we, you know, if we give birth and, and we have children and, and, and grandchildren, they don't become less and less and less. They are fully human. And so with God, God the Son is fully God. 
And so uh, he is a, uh, a complete, uh, uh, as elsewhere it says in the Bible, he's an exact representation of his being, of God's being. And so here we have God in flesh. And so Paul was trying to help the, 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 the Colossian church to understand that this is no uh, small thing. This isn't something that you need to add to. This is God. And he was the firstborn over all creation. And he goes on in the next verse um, to sort of emphasize that. He says, for by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, whether thrones or powers or all rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Now, so Paul is saying that actually he is the creator God. He isn't simply someone that, that is created and, and God put on, on this earth to, to sort of help us out. No, he is the creator God. He was there at the beginning when the world was created. Um, and he is creator of all things visible, everything that we see around us, the, 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 the trees, the mountains, the animals, um, everything that we can see, mankind. But he's also the creator of the invisible, thrones powers, rulers, or authorities, things that we can't see, things that are in the heavenly realms. He created them. And uh, they're created by him. And, and this is, this is a really important one, they were created for him. And suddenly, this, this, is, this is a big uh, concept that, it, that we can quite easily miss, that actually all the powers and authorities are created for him. That doesn't mean that he created evil. We, we, we know that. But what it does mean is that in the end, everything works for Jesus's glory. Everything ends up to his glory. Now, we may not be able to see that. We, we look at the world powers. We look at how many of them stand up against the cross and against Jesus and against God. But in some way, Paul is saying, but he's above this. Jesus is above all this. And everything ultimately works for him, for his glory. We may not understand how that works. We may not see it because he is in charge of the visible and the invisible. What Jesus can see and what Jesus is in charge of in the invisible, we cannot see and we don't understand, but it's all working for him ultimately. And will ultimately come together at the conclusion of of creation and when when Jesus comes again and we're all wrapped up and there will be a major amazing purpose that we don't see now but Jesus is in charge of and is in control of and so this is the Jesus that that Paul wants to them to understand and then he goes on the next verse he is before all things and in him all things hold together and again Paul is saying um, he is preeminent he's before everything um, he didn't, he, you know, don't get the idea that Jesus, you know, came, uh, uh, you know, uh, as it was then 40, 50, 60 years ago. He was ever, it was pre-existent. He was there. Don't get the idea that, that he, this was the person that this man came into humanity and helped us to get to God. No, no. He was there. He entered creation to enable us to come back to God. And in him, all things hold together. And again, an, an incredible thought that in Jesus, everything has its meaning and its purpose. The world, people look for meaning and purpose in all sorts of things. 
Um, and they go back and they try to look at the origins of life and they try to get meaning and purpose and understanding. And, and, and it's an incredible search to understand the origins of life and all this. But if you lift, leave Jesus out, it doesn't make any sense. He holds it all together. He is the link of all these things. It's Jesus. And, uh, and so this is, this is the, the, the Jesus that Paul wants the Colossian Christians to understand and to get a grasp of. He isn't just somebody, very good man, who did something really good. He is the essence of the whole of creation. He holds it all together. And then uh, he comes on in, in the next verses to talk about his role in creation. So in verse 18, it says, and he is the head of the body, the church, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And again, there's lots of thoughts going on here then put in Paul's mind. He is the head of the body, the church. Now, this, this is really important that, that he's, he's set out that this Jesus is in overall authority in the universe. He's in overall authority of all powers, authorities, and, uh, and all visible things and all invisible things. And now he's saying he is the head of the body, which is the church. This new entity that we've talked about that have come from Greek and Jews come together into this new creation. He is the head of this. He is the head. We're the body. From the head, everything is uh, controlled and uh, and looked after. And uh, and so it's the, 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 the idea is the head gives life and it gives strength and it gives meaning and purpose and direction and wisdom and uh, and you know it, it can it, it dictates how to eat and how to breathe and how to uh, how to see and how to hear, and so the head is is there, giving real life to the rest of the body. And uh, so and, and this this concept is so important because we start to see here that actually if we are the body and Christ is our head and Christ is over all earthly powers, then actually that gives us an incredible position. We are held and intimately involved with the one who is in control of all things. There is nothing outside his control. There's nothing that can come against the head that he cannot uh, deal with, that he cannot control, that he cannot um, uh, pacify. And we're intimately linked with that. So by, by our association with Jesus, nothing can come against us. Nothing can hold us. Nothing can affect us because of Jesus, because he is holding everything and because he is the head of the church. And then he's talking about his role in creation. As he was the firstborn over creation, so he is the firstborn from among the dead. And here Paul is addressing the big thing that happened in creation. Creation was wonderful, it was glorious, and yet something happened in creation at the fall at Adam, where sin entered the world, and because of sin, death entered and decay. And now Jesus here comes in as the second Adam, as it said elsewhere, and he, uh, in his, uh, his glory and who he was, comes in and he deals with sin and death. He is the firstborn 
from among the dead. He has dealt with sin. He has overcome the problem with creation and he's created a new creation. And he uh, is the firstborn, which means that there are many more to come. You know, all of us follow on. Jesus was the forerunner of those that have conquered death. Through Jesus, we have conquered death. Through Jesus, we have conquered sin. And because he has done that, because he was creator, and because he has overcome that which was against us, sin and death, he therefore has all supremacy. He is the first. He is the one who is above all things. And so we have here the ultimate solution, the one who can not only uh, control all things, but in whom we exist. And because of that, we can have authority over everything. So just quickly in, in, for, in verse 19, it says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. You see, Jesus wasn't man only. He was fully man and fully God. Um, he is, uh, and God wasn't, it wasn't a part of God or a little bit of God or, 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 or a small amount. It was fully God and, and his fullness uh, dwelt in God. And only in this perfect man, perfect God figure of Jesus could full salvation be achieved. And so Jesus, and Paul is saying, so he is the one who is able to do all this. And then in verse 20, it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And, and again, we, we, we have, have a wonderful picture. We haven't got time to go into all this, but it's about, uh, Paul is saying, we've been reconciled. We were, we were against him. And now we've been brought back. And I just want to go on to read verse 21 and 22, just to, uh, because this makes it more, uh, more plain and more clear. See, it says there, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy, holy in his sight and without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul here is saying this amazing saviour, this amazing Jesus is the one who has reconciled you. He has dealt with sin. He has dealt with death. He has brought you back. To reconcile means to bring back together. We were separated from God and now we've been brought back together. And not only that, we, were, are, we are holy, we are without blemish, we are free from accusation. And so Paul here is painting this wonderful picture of our salvation, of our saviour, of what he's done for us. And he's presenting something glorious and amazing, that we are now friends with God. You know, that idea of being brought together into a relationship means that God counts you and me his friend. You know, that, that's, it's not, we're not simply forgiven. We're not simply, uh, uh, you know, our sins, you know, we're not simply being brought back from death to life. We've been brought into relationship with almighty God. We have been reconciled to him. There's no barrier between us and him now. And that's the wonderful truth of the gospel. 
So I want to just, just sort of land it really in these last few moments that we have to, to try and gather from this what, what some of the, 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 what flows on. And what Paul was trying to get is that actually when, when we grasp this, some things flow out of it. And the first one is quite simply this. There is only one saviour and he is enough. What was going on in, um, in chapter two and, and Paul was looking at was that what was coming in is that the idea that actually I'm not sure that Jesus is enough. You need to bring in laws. You need to bring in new moon festivals. You need to bring in Sabbath days. You need to bring in uh, stuff you eat and don't eat. Um, you need to protect yourself against philosophies that are coming in. So you need these other things. And Paul was saying, no, 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 that's not necessary. You don't need anything else. You don't need any other savior. You need only Jesus. He is enough. He is enough to save you completely. And yet, even today, we look at philosophies and ideas that come in. And, uh, and we often, you know, because of, uh, of our, maybe our understanding of Jesus, we, we look for other things to be our savior. We may look for relationships or work. Or, or our own intelligence, or our ministry, or all sorts of things that we think um, give us that extra standing, that extra status that we, we don't get. And what, what Paul is saying, no, no, that is all found in Jesus. I just had a, just to give an example. <clears throat> Earlier this week, I was waiting for a letter. We were sorting out, <clears throat> we were sorting out some financial things, and I was I needed this letter to understand what what the, some some aspect of this and and I was a bit bit nervous a bit worried about thinking of what you know I want this letter to say the right thing I want this letter to 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 have the right things in it and, and, I, and I went out even even one time I went out to the to the to the porch just to see if it was there and and I I walked away and I thought uh, and something came into my mind and it sort of uh, came back really to what Remy was saying and I spoke out loud and I said. I almost sort of laughing, that letter isn't my saviour. Jesus is my saviour. And as I did that, there was a, a real sort of, not that I was, you know, but I'd sort of put too much store on something in this world to, to be a little saviour. And as I said those words, as I spoke it out, it was almost something lifted off me. Because it didn't matter what that letter said. It didn't matter whether that letter came or not. And it didn't actually matter what it said in the end. Because it's not my saviour. Jesus is my saviour. And I think for me, sometimes just speaking that sort of thing out over situations and over circumstances, if you're nervous about something or <clears throat> wanting a job or, or wanting, wanting to, to see a relationship made better or, or you're looking for something, we need to speak over that and say, this isn't my saviour. Jesus is my savior he's enough he will always be enough for me and i just found that such a relief and and you know it's a practice to just speak over everything that starts if, if we start feeling fear coming in or start being worried about a situation or wanting something to happen that hasn't happened we need to to remember that actually that won't be our savior and will never be our savior jesus is our savior and he will always be that and actually to speak it out and i found that a really helpful thing <clears throat> excuse me and there are other saviors that we turn to, um, particularly in this, this uh, sort of uh, multimedia age, we, we look to, um, you know, things like popularity um, on, you know, things like Instagram and, and, uh, and the likes that we have. And, 
and Facebook and all these things, and, and they can become a type of savior. And actually, we need to go back and say, no, no, I don't need those things. You know, in terms of popularity, I, Jesus, God, counts me his friend. I don't need all these other things. I don't need this. I have a friend in God. What, there's nothing that can beat that. Nothing can beat that. And I can rest in the fact that God counts me his friend because I've been reconciled through Jesus. And so we need to speak over these things and say, no, no, you're not my saviour. Jesus is. But then, and I want to be very brief in these last two things, and I've touched on it already, nothing created can overcome us. Nothing in creation is able to overcome Jesus because he's above it all. And with Jesus as our head, as we are intimately connected with him, as we are in Christ, so nothing outside of us can overcome us. And so we don't have to worry about, and I, I've heard it and I've seen it on, 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 on various YouTube and stuff, conspiracy theories about the vaccine, about the world powers, about all these things. And, um, and, and you know, and, and Christians getting worried about all this stuff. And I'm thinking, as we look at this, that can't be the case. If Jesus is above all things, if all these, if he's holding all these things together, even, even things which seemingly are evil, if he is more powerful than they, then as our head, we are protected. We are safe because they can't get him. They can't get us. We don't have to fear these things because Jesus is our head and he is above these things. He has authority over these things and he is able to look after and protect and, uh, and, you know, and to be with his church. And, and in, in Ephesians, it talks about he is head over everything for the church. His first priority, his first concern in this world is the church, this new creation. And therefore, he's not going to let these things come against us. We rely on his ability to protect, not our own ability to work out, oh, you know, what's going on here? I need to protect myself here. I need to be careful here. No, no, we don't rely on that. We have to be sensible. But actually, we rely on Jesus's ability to protect us and look after us. And to know also that because he is in charge of all creation, there's nothing that we cannot stand against in this world. We can act as a church in all areas because he is authority over them. There is no area that is too hard for the gospel because he is, it has authority over it. There is no sickness and disease that we cannot overcome because he has authority over these things. And through Jesus, we have authority and power to address any area and everything comes under his um, power and authority. And one final point that I want to make, and, and I know we've just gone over time, and that is about who we are and our standing with God. We are fully accepted and declared not guilty. And, and, and in, in those verses, Paul was saying, you know, there is no accusation against you. You are holy. You are blameless. You are free from accusation. And so we just need to claim that for ourselves and we need to go back again and again and say, I, I cannot be uh, held um, accountable in the sense of my sin has been forgiven. Now, you know, there is a way of living and, and Paul at the end there talks about how we need to hang on to this and we need to live in the goodness of this. You know, if we move away from this, we won't know the peace and the joy and the love and the, and the, and the, uh, uh, the, the freedom that comes from living in the in the fullness of Jesus. 
you know, if we go to these other things, if we start adding in stuff to Jesus, we are going to be on, on dodgy ground. We're not going to know his, his wonderful peace and, and provision and all those things. But if we only and truly rely on Jesus, then we will be at rest and at peace, knowing that we are reconciled to God, knowing that we are holy and blameless in his sight and free from accusation. We can rest in his, in his peace and love and goodness. And so my prayer today is that in some way you will have a bigger picture of who Jesus is and that we may be able to withstand what comes against us, not because we have added loads of stuff, but because we are in Christ that he is our head and that we are able to stand against everything that comes against us because Jesus has overcome and he is the creator and he is Lord of all and he is our saviour. Amen.